You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, blockbusting blokes in blouses blogging about blobfish. This is Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. Today's show is episode 183, and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your jazzy puzzlers, guzzling pizza, and nuzzling bedazzled buzzers. Huzzah! Huzzah! I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. Those all have double Zs. Yeah. It, it looks cool when yeah. I write it down. But then... When you say it, it's different. You gotta All those words people. have double yeah, double Zs. A lot of huh. pizzazz. Yeah, also, cameo from Blobfish. I think about... Yeah. When yeah. you say the word Blobfish, I think about what it looks like. That oh, yeah. And it just cracks <laughs> You know, I feel like we are actually uh, had a, a little mini uh, mini Blobfish renaissance in the last uh, few months. You <laughs> know, Blobfish just, is having yeah. a moment. Uh, yeah. Ma- yeah, it was a little bit of a moment. All right. Exciting follow-up. Uh, listeners, if you, and, and I don't know if you guys remember, uh, last episode on our Pop Quiz Hot Shot, we had a silver chalice card. It was a card filled right. with two questions. questions at yeah. least. Yeah. Right? And we're oh, like, two questions. It wasn't yeah, yeah. filled felt, with yeah, questions. It felt like yeah. a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, um, it was like biblical in theme. And also we're like, what is the silver chalice? And we actually said, probably most people know more about this than we do. Cause mm-hmm. we don't know that much about the Bible. I have follow up. A lot of people tweeted and emailed and uh, Facebook posted and, and this email in particular from David. And he said, in your latest episode, Dress You Up, you all were discussing the Silver Chalice and the Last Supper, and Dana said, quote, I bet people who are more familiar with the Bible will be like, what, you guys? We're going to get some um actuallys. So David says, here is mine. I have a master in divinity. Both of my parents are ordained ministers. I graduated top of my class in seminary. I won an award for my biblical translations. I had to get a bookcase specifically for my Bibles, and I read the Bible daily. And I have never heard of the Silver Chalice, either the film or as a biblical reference. There is reference to Jesus' cup in three of the Gospels, but most translations just use the word cup and not chalice try to look for it and he goes actually so no um actually from the biblical point of view all right Yay. yeah wow silver chalice seems like some biblical interpretation gone awry very and, hollywoodized uh, perhaps yeah yeah and then um <laughs> i looked up the movie starring paul newman which was you know in the trivia card he was commissioned to make the silver chalice for the last supper so hmm. it was fiction like historical mm. it was fictional as well all right well, thanks for doing so much extra research <laughs> for you. us there yeah my reaction as i'm reading down that email like of his list of accolades i was like oh no oh, oh it's no. gonna be like <laughs> a slam dunk yeah when you yeah. shelf is about this <laughs> yeah, I had to buy a new bookshelf <laughs> yeah. to hold my many versions yeah. good job guys yeah. all right good job not knowing about stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> and with that said uh let's jump into our first general trivia segment pop quiz hot shot here I have Trivial Pursuit 1995. Okay. 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 What do you mean? It's not, it's the year 19, it's all the questions are about the year 1995 or this, this We've card? had one from this set before, I yeah. think, right? This is, this is about 1995. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, all right. Perfect. Okay. So, all right. Those 365 all right. days. All right. Here we go. Pink Wedge. What outfit looked over 22,000 entries from its quote, Yo, I'm your CEO contest, then selected a candidate found by a headhunter. Oh. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't oh. really get this question. I think I know. I think it, uh, is it, uh, monster, monster.com? No. Hmm. What? Okay. okay. A little too early yo, for that. I'm there were, your... Yo, I'm your CEO, and it was, there were many, it... many different entries. And then, but it, then it just picks someone from a headhunter. Like an actual CEO and not a random. Is it MTV? No. I wanted to say MTV because like Mm, Yo MTV MTV raps. raps. Yeah, yeah. Yo, I'm your CEO. It sounds like something desperately trying to be uh, youth appeal. Uh, It's, it's, (laughs) I I feel like it's, you know it or you don't. It is Ben and Jerry's. Okay. Okay. Why Why did they call it Yo, like yogurt? Well, Why did they call it Yo? I'm your CEO because <laughs> it rhymes with CEO. CEO. Yo, yo, I'm your CEO. CEO. So wow. like they, they're about puns, not <laughs> good ice cream though. Yeah. Right. Good, ice, good cream, ice cream though. Yeah, it was yeah. the 90s. Bad campaigns. Uh, okay, yeah. Yellow Wedge. What 
European nation forced CompuServe to block access to explicit news groups. Oh. Oh, it was between Colin Christensen to Colin. Uh, Germany. Correct. Mm. Correct. Mm. They're all about blocking access to stuff, even back then. <laughs> I don't think you could buy Doom in Germany. Like, yeah. When Doom came out. They don't like bloody video games, They don't. Right? All right, Brown Wedge. What 1995 movie was the first film to feature characters who attend weekly, quote, plastic corrosion awareness meetings? Mm. Wow. Colin again. <sighs> Toy Story? Correct. Oh, oh. okay. Of course. I, I didn't remember. I don't it was remember 1995. That That's quite a throwaway gag from Toy Story. <laughs> I don't remember that bad. Orange Wedge, what did Giorgio Armani declare to be the most elegant and intelligent color? Huh. Dana. Black? Correct. <laughs> it is black. <laughs> Simple <right>. and minimalist. <laughs> uh, Teal Wedge, what software billionaire? What software billionaire? Billionaire. 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 It's pronounced billiards. It's billiards. Billiards air. Billionaire. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Billionaire. No, I can't. Like a funny billionaire. What software billionaire? No. Wow. Whatever. Yeah, very rich person. Gave Jimi Hendrix's dad an interest free loan to sue for the rights to his son's music and master discs. Oh. Oh, I'm gonna give it to Chris. Bill Gates. Incorrect. It's gotta be. It's gotta be Paul Allen. He's a Correct. huge. He's a huge oh, Hendrix fan, really? guitar fan. Yeah. There were only two software billionaires in 1995. <laughs> so. Have you guys been to the uh, the Experience Music Project in Seattle? No, it's, but I uh, heard about it. It's actually pretty cool. Yeah, it's like a and, museum, and funded. Right? Yeah, I mean, oh. it, it, large part or exclusively by Paul Allen. Really? Uh, huge, okay. huge amount of money, and a lot of his guitars from his personal collection are there. It's pretty neat. I heard huh. it's a really cool museum. Yeah, All right, last question, Blue Wedge. What senior PGA veteran teed off a 24-hour cable TV channel devoted to golf? <laughs> oh, oh no! no. Oh, poor Rooster. Um, I, is it uh, Jack Nicklaus? No. No. Is it Arnold Palmer? It is yeah. Arnold Palmer. Oh, it's like, come on, we all know the <laughs> yeah. same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well, I'm more sad about the Rooster buzzer. So sad. Yeah. You know, we can put a new battery in there. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. technically, yeah, it's yeah. dead forever. <laughs> all right, good job, brains. Colin, what are we talking about this week? Today, <clears throat> well, I've had a story that I've been sitting on in my uh, trivia vault for a while, trying to find a way that I could work it into good job. In brain. your brain, yes, in my not brain, in like a real. It's not real an vault. actual vault. Yeah, mm, not no. anymore. The first one burned down. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah, I lost so <laughs> much trivia. Um, and then concurrently, we just passed uh, Memorial Day. Memorial Day, remembering people who have uh, performed service to our nation. I yep. was thinking about uh, awards and honors, and I was watching on the news. Uh, there was a, a, a serviceman that had uh, just, you know, the giant row of the medals mm. pinned to his chest and thinking about how hard it is, like, you know, to remember, like, what each little one, oh, all the different oh. colors. So I went and I kind of fell down a wiki hole on uh, military awards, and we may have a little bit of that and coming we, up later. We get that in trivia sometimes. We do. Like, what what – is the Purple Heart for? We like, do. Or who, we do. Or what award do people win? I was like, ah, right, right. All ribbons and stars. And so that tied into this uh, little trivia story that I had been sitting on, which I will share for you guys a little bit later in the show. And I thought uh, we would open it up and talk about awards, medals, uh, decorations, uh, anything that you earn or is awarded to you, but uh, something around the idea of a, of a prize or something you did to earn it. So this week, let's keep our eyes on the prize. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. And they stay there. Now, when you think of uh, the ultimate prize being awarded uh, to someone who has started a movie, you, of course, think of the Oscars. Yeah. But we've had way too many Oscar quizzes. Yeah. Uh, so I want to actually talk about and a different award that is given. We don't actually know anything. Um, a different award that uh, every now and again sometimes comes up and crosses through our, our field of vision mm-hmm. um, that are that are given uh, to uh, people who have acted in that year's uh, films, colloquially known as... The Razzies. Oh, 
the Golden Raspberry Awards, uh, nice. to be particular about it. And, and the award, the trophy itself is indeed a raspberry, you know, sort of a statue of a raspberry <laughs> painted with cheap gold paint. It began in 1981, honoring films released in 1980 and, and honoring what are considered to be, uh, the, Worst movies released <laughs> uh, over the course of a year, usually held right before the Oscars. Um, yeah, the biggest difference between the Oscars and the Razzie. Now, the Razzies last year were held in the Palace Theater in Los Angeles. I mean, it's a big deal. Do the no. winners even show up? So though? here's the thing: not often. Ninety-nine percent of the time, <laughs> no, the winners do not show up. But that's only ninety-nine percent of the time. So this is a quiz about the <gasps> Razzie winners who graciously, nice. with no shortage of good humor, actually showed up at Razzie ceremonies over the years <laughs> to accept their worst actor or worst picture or what have you award in person. Oh, okay. okay. So it's not like the nominees show up and they, they're awaiting for <laughs> announce the worst. I hope I'm the worst. Actually, they, I mean, I, I don't think that they tell them that they've won. I think they will, I think they sort of assume that they're going to win and they, they show, you know, quote unquote win and they show up and they accept. They have the their well placed sources within the yeah. Razzie. Yeah. There, yeah. there have been people who have, who have said, so basically if I say I'm going to be there, you'll, you give you it vote, to me. You're going to vote for me, right? I mean, that's yeah. pretty much, Fair yeah, it seems to be how how it, how it goes, but I'm not quite sure. So here we go. So get your buzzers ready. I won't. I won't put the rooster into service. He's <laughs> had a tough day already. The first person to ever show up to collect a Razzie in person accepted the Worst Actor Award for a 1987 parody of spy movies. Nate, tell me the actor and the film. James Coburn? Incorrect. Uh, Colin. William Shatner. No. Okay, what's a spy uh, parody? The parody of spy parody. films released in 1987 generally considered the worst thing that this <laughs> a comedian, actor, comedian has ever done. Generally considered one of the worst movies. Always okay. pops up on wow. your list of oh, terrible films. Uh, oh, no. It's not. It must be like a Bond parody. Maybe. Is it a Pink Panther? It's it's not no. quite Panther a Bond good parody. Movies, I will tell you. I will tell you the uh, actor, and okay. then you will probably actor. know the movie. The actor's right. name is Bill Cosby. Uh, I was going to say oh. Bill Cosby, yeah. and the film is that was it was that uh, not uh, not Leonard Part Six. It is Leonard, right? Leonard Part, Part Six. six? Okay, yes. okay, yeah. Leonard I just Part thinking. Six. Okay. I wouldn't know Leonard's parts one through five. The only oh. reason I didn't say that is I couldn't imagine him actually having enough uh, self-effacing humor to he show up and accept it. Actually, did show up and accept the. All yep. Right. Yep. Um, okay. All right. Let's, let's shake that it off. Right. I've never heard okay. that movie here's before. A, here's I a slightly easier Dad. one. Okay. The 2001 film Freddy Got Fingered took home five <laughs> Razzies for whom? Dana. Tom Green. Tom Green, who brought his own red carpet to the ceremony. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> uh, this actress accepted her award in person for a comic book-based movie. Oh, Colin. I believe that was Halle Berry. That was indeed Halle For Berry. Catwoman. Catwoman. Yeah. Execrable. Yep. Catwoman. Oh my god, yeah. so she's been Catwoman and Storm. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Who would win her? She accepted fight? the award while holding her Oscar for Best Actress in Oscar's <laughs> Ball, yeah. which she'd gotten yeah. a few years before. <laughs> there can't be many people who have won both. <laughs> uh, not a whole lot, no. In 2004, Ben Affleck was nominated for the Worst Actor Razzie. For three different films, oh. all of which came out in let's 2003. Okay. All right. I know yeah. one. Well, I was going to get... Oh. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, sure. Let's, yeah. Go, let's go around. Let's see if Gigli? you can get them on. Yes. Daredevil. Gigli. Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Yes, Dana. Oh. This leaves Colin with the last one. I know one. what you the last one is. the hard one. Let's yep, see. yep, yep. Gigli, Daredevil. Man, that wasn't Dogma. Wasn't mm. Dogma? Nah. Jersey Girl. It's not Jersey ah. Girl. Ah. It was Paycheck. Oh yeah. yeah, paycheck, Daredevil, and Geely. Yeah. It's just a very like whatever movie. I wouldn't put it on like you know. I, wasn't movies, that based on you know? it? Um, they rolled it all into. You I think know. yeah, those three in a row though. You're like yeah, mm, yeah, yeah, all in one year. What are yeah. you up to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> director, director Paul Verhoeven accepted oh, the yeah. worst picture award for what NC17 film? Karen. Showgirl. Showgirl. Mm. I'm a dancer. <laughs> In 1993, this mustachioed actor, famously mustachioed actor, accepted the worst supporting actor, Razzie, for his role in the film Christopher Columbus, The Discovery. 
Worst oh. Supporting Actor. 93. You said Mustachioed? Famously. Uh, Tom Selleck. Tom yeah. Selleck uh, is it. Tom Selleck or Tom Skerritt. Or Tom Skerritt. Sometimes Tom Skerritt shaves. <laughs> yeah. Tom Selleck. Never. <laughs> Brian Helgeland accepted the Worst Screenplay Award for his work on this 1997 bomb, directed by and produced by Kevin Costner. Oh, Colin. Would that be Waterworld? It is not Waterworld. Oh, that was that, a little earlier. Uh, that was ninety four, I think, ish. The Postman. The Postman. Mm. Yes. That's the right. Postman. Costner did not show up. Yeah. Sandra Bullock famously showed up at the Razzies in two thousand and ten to accept the Worst Actress Award for All About Steve. Oh, the right. next night, she won the Best Actress oh. Academy Award for what film? Dana. Uh, the Blind Side? The Blind Side. Indeed, The Blind Side. It was the night before? Yeah. yeah. The yeah. Razzies. Oh, that's got awesome. the worst actress, best actress. Yeah. I think they ensure uh, good publicity if they do it that that's way. That's true. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's how they, they glom like on to the Oscars. Yeah. yeah. But then once the Oscars are over, nobody cares about the Razzies. But if it's in the run-up yeah. to the Oscars, then it gets that, you know, mention. Final question. A writer named J. David Shapiro, J.D. Shapiro, appeared at the Razzies Twice. Once to accept the award for worst screenplay for a film released in the year 2000. And then again in the year 2011 to accept the award for worst picture of the decade for the same film. Oh, that's a towering achievement. And what was that film? So I'm asking you, what (laughs) did they, what did they say in 2011 was the worst film of the decade going back to the year 2000, 2000, 2010? Oh, is man. it like a big blockbuster movie or is it? It was a movie. It was a big movie that you've heard of. Worst it was, movie. It was pretty famously terrible. Hmm. The Room? Not The no. Room. No. Crossroads. It's got to be something. Yeah. That, it's got to be something that was expensive and bad. Expensive, oh, really? bad, self-indulgent, yeah. ridiculous, the epitome of terrible filmmaking. Ah, uh, two. 2001 wow. was the original. 2000. 2000. Can we get it a genre? 2000. It was a science fiction oh! film. Karen. After Earth. It is not After oh. Earth. No, no, no. Sorry. Karen. It, it, I'm thinking of the John Travolta one. Uh-huh. Uh, God, it's not After Earth. Beyond Earth? Beyond Colin. Uh, Chris, is it Battlefield Earth? Ah! It is indeed Battlefield uh, Earth starring John Travolta. Wow. Worst yeah. picture of the decade. Wow. I, I only made it I only made it about twenty minutes into that one. I don't think I've watched <laughs> any of these movies that were Well you good didn't for watch you. Catwoman? I didn't watch Catwoman. I didn't watch Catwoman. Uh, woo! Yeah. I just have a quick uh tidbit. Uh-huh. Um before I forget, because I saw this in the headlines. Well, I'm a big I don't know if you guys listeners know, but I'm a very big pizza enthusiast. I'm, yes. I, pizza is my favorite food, not because of Ninja Turtles, but that really helped. And I'm I just, didn't even put that together. Huh? That's, I didn't even. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I think as a kid, I, I watched it. I was like, wow, that's so American. I want to eat pizza too. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then, you, you know. Do you like remember the first time you had like pizza like, pizza? American pizza uh-huh. coming here. Yeah, I remember the day I had my yes. first American slice. Blondie's Pizza on Telegraph oh. Avenue. That was wow. wow. That was my first. Wow. That's an intense pizza and, to start with. And I never went anywhere else. Like, that, <laughs> yeah. I was like, that is still that moment. Just a normal cheese pizza. Oh, pizza's my favorite food. I even like, you know, I, I, I mentioned before, I like started a whole running club dedicated to like pizza and running and so i had no idea that there are the pizza world championships i know granted there's contests for everything mm-hmm. but there's like the world it's like the olympics for of pizza for making, making it or for it eating or it for making okay it. it's almost like um a lot of other um like the baking competition or the cake competition so every country has a team it's like the Olympics where it's not like one event. There's multiple events. So mm. you have to build out your country's team. <laughs> so there's like dough stretching. And so you have your dough stretcher who's really good at dough stretching for Team USA or Team okay. Italy or Team France. And then you have your kind of classic pizza cooking competition, your not classic. And then you have different like, oh, pizza for two and, and like just a okay. lot of Karen, events. Question. How far did you go in the research? Because I have so many questions about <laughs> dough stretching competition. You know, I I went as far enough as as 
until everything was in Italian, I couldn't really read it. Because okay. all, right. like, all the that's PR, deep, all the, deep pizza the, the, news, <laughs> the news headlines, they're all kind of like reworded PR right. yeah, blasts. And right. like, what know, are they measuring with the dose stretching? Yeah. Is it like everybody gets the same amount of dough? I and think then you so. see how much, and how then big no you can holes. get it? No hole. Yeah, I have lots of follow-up yeah. questions. I know. I feel, and I was like, maybe there's a documentary or maybe there's like, they should really broadcast this in the news. Anyways. Okay. So you would think... Uh, Italy and, and Italy does win a lot of the events and they sure. win a lot of the, you know, every year. But this past year it was France. Hmm. France oh. won with their Bouya base pizza. Get, Get out of here. Bouya base, which is a southern, a Provencal southern fish stew, like mm. a peasanty mm. fisherman's fish stew mm. flavored pizza. Mm. Uh, and they won. I'm, I'm they beat out. I mean, number two and number three were were Italy, but mm. but number one was France, and that's a that's a pretty big deal. I'm sure they're not going to let Italy forget it either. Um, yeah. And then uh, Margarita, the Margarita, the classic Margarita competition, Australia took number one. Oh. Wow! So it, this is like the the California wine, yeah, you know, Fran- versus France, wine yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of felt <laughs> like that. There is such a thing as pizza world championships. Huh. And then one day I'm gonna go. go Yeah, you are gonna go. Do you know what they win? Do you have to? They win Uh a pizza gong. All right, nice. A a big gong. I don't know (laughs) what what it's for. I have no idea what that means. I just love the sound of a pizza gong. It's a massive, one of those massive vertical. Yeah, yeah, like but like engraved like a pizza maybe. No, it's just like bronze. I wish it was like a shape of a pizza. All right, that's a pretty good prize award. And they get a free flower. Like really high quality flour ah, for their pizza. That's nice. Yeah, ah. I mean, I don't think it's lifetime, and you know, it's a lot. <laughs> you just get a couple, hand- a couple handfuls, handfuls of it. Here you go. Yeah. yeah. Good job, Brain Live next year yeah. <laughs> at the Pizza <laughs> World Championship. <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone out there connected with the uh, governing body, please, yeah, hook us up. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, Karen, you set me up perfectly. You alluded to the Purple Heart and whom it is for and <laughs> what it pizza? signifies earlier. Yeah. Uh, so I have a very short... Oh, Short little quiz here about okay. some of the just the most well-known uh, American military uh, awards and I'm honors. Get wrecked. Well, we'll see here. It was very short, very short. Um, so yes, uh, I know you have heard of the Purple Heart because you just talked about it. Uh, in fact, it is one of the most respected awards you can receive as a member of the U.S. Armed Forces. Two questions. One, what does it signify? What is the Purple Heart for? Mm-hmm. Oh. oh. Um, it's, uh, you are wounded in combat. Yeah. 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 Broadly speaking, it's in, oh. injury in the line of duty, mm-hmm. um, okay. in combat. It's, I mean, it can and be you, fairly serious you get too. Multiple pur- purple hearts too. You can like receive you one purple heart per, per incident. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, the, the official full, uh, definition is, uh, it is awarded for, quote, being wounded or killed. In any action against an enemy of the United States or as a result of an act of any such enemy or opposing armed forces. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you can receive it posthumously. A lot of people do have received it posthumously. Uh, but, yes, it signifies mm-hmm. you are literally putting your ass on the line for mm-hmm. your country. Mm-hmm. Who is depicted on the Purple Heart oh. Medal? Oh. Who is on the Purple Heart? Is it just based on color? Is it Grimace? <laughs> grimace it is it is a little more yeah. solemn and serious than is it, grimace is it like an what? actual it is a famous it is a famous grimace. american is it a president huh. it is it is a president george washington it is george yeah. washington oh okay yeah he's yeah. important he is fairly important and in fact the the badge of military merit which was sort of considered the forerunner of the modern purple oh, heart okay. was established by george washington oh. way back mm-hmm. uh when he was leading the continental army um and it was it was a very very selective Award. They say he he only gave it out apparently to only three soldiers from the Revolutionary War. So it, it's, oh wow, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, I mean, and of course you know, flash forward to today, it's been awarded just under two million times now. Mm. So do you? So is there even say if I get like my pinky blown off? Oh, if you get a hangnail. 
Yeah, or like, <laughs> I mean, is there a degree of, of woundedness? There is a degree of okay. woundedness. Yeah. yeah, if you're getting, you know, paper cuts, filing documents, <laughs> yeah. uh, they're not gonna can necessarily consider you, that. I think that yeah. you're like, I, I don't want to mangle this up, but I think that like your supervisor or your commanding officer like has to sign off Vouch yeah yeah them. you generally yeah. need to be recommended yeah. for it, and it. Then, right. yeah right yeah. yeah you don't just like when you come out of the hospital and say, hey so where's my, my purple heart yeah, yeah right, okay. right. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, i thought yeah. one of one of the few honors and medals uh higher than the purple heart is the medal of honor mm-hmm. uh often often called the congressional medal of honor okay. uh, that is not actually its full technical name it's just the medal of honor uh it is the highest military honor possible awarded by the president uh, only U.S. servicemen and women are eligible to receive it. And it is basically just for outstanding acts of valor. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many versions of the Medal of Honor are there? What do you mean? Ver- how many? Well, I'll give like you a hint. I'll version? give you a hint. Okay. Not, not everyone receives the same version. Yeah. Ah. There's like a... Uh, Chris. Chris. Four. Incorrect. Dang. I know there's a silver one and a bronze one, right? There are like two. There, there are at least two because when I did the research on the Navajo wind talkers. There are more than two. They, there were two different ones that they uh-huh. got. Or I'll say there are at least two. Is two yeah. Your, yeah? Oh. No. Well, yeah. three two plus. There are three. Magic number. Yes, magic. magic trivia yes. number. Yep. Uh, there are three versions. There's the, the Army Medal of Honor. Mm-hmm. There's one for the Navy oh, and yeah. the Air Force. Uh, now, oh, this so kind of sucks. I, I was hoping Coast the, Guard? I was four. Well, the Marines. Both, right? both the Marine Corps and the Coast Guard uh, received the Navy version of the oh, Medal of Honor, okay. which, you know, is nice, and I, I, I won't presume nobody, to speak for them. Nobody went home going, <laughs> I only got the Navy version. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Why is it the Navy Honor. version and not just the aquatic soldier <laughs> yeah, yeah. version? Right, you know, right, the, right, yeah. Did you know it is against the law to wear a Medal of Honor if you have not been awarded it? Oh. Yeah, they take it very seriously. Huh. There are a number of laws against who exactly is allowed to don the Medal well, of Honor. Well, what happened? What are they going to do? They could fine you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the full qualification for the Medal of Honor is, quote, conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at Ooh. the risk of life above and beyond the call of duty. Takes it seriously. Said a lot of video game titles, man. Medal of Honor, Call, of, Call Duty. of Duty. Yeah, <laughs> they just go through, yeah, through yeah. the army manuals whenever yeah. they need. Uh, yeah, franchise oh, I'm, I'm Battlefield. For, I know. I'm waiting for this uh, this year's release of uh, Gallantry and Trepidude. Yeah. All right, last one. Last one. Uh, who is the only U.S. president to have been awarded the Medal of Honor? Oh. And I'll tell you, it's not George Washington. I will rule one out for you. Uh, I think that was Dana. Is it Eisenhower? It is not Eisenhower. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a former military man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, oh. It was awarded posthumously, if that, if that helps you. Karen. Teddy Roosevelt. Exactly right. Yeah. Oh. That's right. Yes. He uh, seems like a, like kinda, a dim fighting kind of. Intrepid. Yeah. Intrepiditude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, actually awarded by President Bill Clinton uh, in 2001. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, primarily for his service in the Spanish-American War. Huh. Uh, Why did it take so long? Well, you know, I mean, I think... Other stuff to he do. He was like president. It was yeah. like, aren't yeah. you winning enough? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even in death, do you yeah. need this? He's on Mount Rushmore. Uh, that's, like, <laughs> yes. He's but I, I did not come here to impugn the spirit of uh, the great president, Theodore Roosevelt. Oh, they named the teddy bear for Teddy Roosevelt? He's fine. Yeah, he has yeah, enough no, awards. He's, <laughs> they did name the teddy he's bear covered. for He's covered. He's covered. Yeah. He's covered. Yeah. Uh, so let's loop back around to entertainment. Yeah. We can't Hooray. escape escape awards so easily. I want to talk about EGOTs. Well, we've talked uh, about it before mm, on the show. Yeah. EGOT, EGOT is Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. Mm-hmm. They're... As of today, as of when I checked, there were 12 people who've gotten the EGOT. Oh, man. I thought there were, uh, like, at least 30. I don't know. No. It doesn't no. happen. No. Select no. company. And, you know, people, there's varying levels of enthusiasm for this award. They're like, oh, it, it doesn't often really encompass the spirit of the of each award. Like, you win for spoken word on a Grammy. Oh, yeah. It's, or all, what, it's like a it's, lot of its technicalities. It's right? technicality. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, somebody was saying Mel Brooks is maybe the first one who really qualified, like, one for what the spirit of each award was. Right. So exclusionary. Um, yeah, it's so exclusive. Legend goes, and this is probably true, it seems like it comes up everywhere, that it was coined by Philip Michael Thomas of Miami Vice. He was not the main guy, he was the other guy. Tubbs. And in the 80s... <laughs> yeah. He was Tubbs. Yeah. Who's, the, the, uh, who's the main guy? Crockett. 
Don Johnson. Don Johnson. Don Johnson. Okay. Wow. Match. Not Don yeah. Johnson. Man, this is guy. like wham. Like I remember George Michael, but I have no yeah. idea who he is. So imagine <laughs> Andrew Ridgely. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna get an ego. The Andrew Ridgely of uh, police yeah. police shows of Miami. So he he got a medallion in the '80s, and he'd go around. And he said, "I'm gonna egot," and he uh, he had a record out. Okay. He would go on shows. You gotta watch. He's fascinating. I, I watched his interview with Johnny Carson, and I was like, "Yeah, that guy coined egot. I believe it." Yeah. <laughs> like, but um, did he actually get an egot? No, no, well, no. He, was not he just close. Oh, he, he, didn't he didn't get any of them. Yeah. 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 He didn't yeah. want any of them. But I like the spirit. Yeah, like mm-hmm. he came up with the name. Yeah, yeah. He's got a shiny medallion to show for it. Anyway, I have a quiz for you guys about people who have almost egotted. Right. Whoa. Oh, okay. Not oh, the verb. Egotted. So these people are all one award short okay. of getting an egot. And so the way it's structured is I'll give you the three awards that they've won. Like maybe they've won a lot for the Emmys or something, but I'll only tell you one of the titles that they won for okay. for the Emmys. Um, and then you tell me who it is based on these three right. things that they were in. Okay. And do we have in to- enough that they won an award for? Okay. It. Oh, do you want to write down? Yeah, let's, yeah, let's write down. Please. Actually, okay. Yeah, let's do that. So these people are one they're one a- award away from having. Yeah, so ego, 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 or toes. Yeah. All right. First person won an Emmy for outstanding variety musical or comedy special for the farewell tour, a Grammy for best dance recording for Believe. And an Oscar for the Best Actress in Moonstruck. Oh. Does not yet have a Tony. Wow, Could I happen. didn't know he's, she's close. Everyone said Cher. It's Cher. <laughs> Cher and Cher alike. That's right. So she's missing Tony. She's just missing a Tony. That could totally happen. That could happen. She could it do could. it. She could, could do it. All right. Next one. So this person won a Grammy for Best Pop Performance by a Duo or Group. That's what friends are for. The best original song, Can You Feel the Love Tonight from The Lion King and Oscar. And a Tony for best original score for Aida. What was the, what was the first one? It was, uh, That's What Friends Are For. Pop duo. Oh, this is a pop duo? No. It's a person. This person won a Grammy. Won a Grammy. But as for a part of a, a song. Okay, yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Everyone has, wait, what is Chris? Tim Rice. But Colin and Karen <laughs> said Elton John. It's Elton John. Oh, uh, okay. From the I put the Can You Feel was, the Love Tonight. I know. Yes, well, I was going for yeah. the yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Tim Rice did Can You Feel Love Tonight and and Aida, I think. the lyrics yeah. to Aida. Oh, He's right, a lyricist. Right, right, yeah. yeah. This person won Emmy for Supporting Actress in Downton Abbey, an Oscar for Best Actress in the Prime of Miss Jean Brody, and a Tony for Best Actress in a Play Lettuce and Lovage. Maggie Smith. Good job, you Dame. guys. Dame. Dame. Maggie Smith. Sorry. And Sir Elton John. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. We're going to check that attitude. Titles. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How about this? He won an Emmy for lead actor in a mini- miniseries or movie for Angels in America, an Oscar for best actor in Scent of a Woman, and a Tony for best supporting actor in a play, Does a Tiger Wear a Necktie? That's a weird. That's, that is quite a play's name, yeah. right? Al Pacino, yes, Al Woo! Pacino, good job. Ooh, uh, These are too easy. I'm gonna go to a harder one. Does a tiger wear a necktie? Oh, I, I need closure on that anecdote. <laughs> All right. All right. He won an Emmy for lead actor in a miniseries or movie for The Life and Death of Peter Sellers, an Oscar for best actor in Shine, and a Tony for best lead actor in a play called Exit the King. What was the first one again? It was The Life and Death of Peter Sellers. <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, right. Okay. Yes. Yeah, Chris and right. Karen say Jeffrey Rush, and Colin says... Nah, just Jeff Goldblum. Jeff I just Goldblum. had to write something down. That's right. It, <laughs> yeah, it was a Jeff. Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I almost give you half points for that. <laughs> <laughs> she won an Emmy for Best Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series, Sex in the City, a Grammy for Best Spoken Word Album and Inconvenient Truth, and a Tony for Best Actress in a Play, Rabbit Hole. Colin and Chris say Sarah Jessica Parker. Karen says Cynthia Nixon. It is Cynthia Nixon. Yes! Yeah, not Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Booyah! I wouldn't have been able to think of her name. 
I don't even know which one she is. Um, the old one. No. No. Oh. She's Miranda. <laughs> She's Miranda. She's Miranda. You're such a Miranda, Chris. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she also won an Emmy for uh, her guest role on SVU. And I almost oh, put really? that, but I was like, that's so <laughs> inside baseball. I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Let's do two more. He won an Emmy for Outstanding Directing for a Drama Series for Boardwalk Empire, a Grammy for Best Music Film, No Direction Home. I didn't even know what a music film was. And an Oscar for Best Director of The Departed. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Everyone says Martin Scorsese. Everyone is correct. Oh, I spelled it wrong. I, I want to give Chris. No, I, I want to give Chris Marty. a point for Marty. For you Marty. said Marty. Yeah. yeah, we're just yeah. well. You know, we're like this. Yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah. yeah, I see you, Chris. Finally, she won outstanding writing in a comedy variety or music special for the Paul Simon special. She won a Grammy for the best comedy album for This Is a Recording, and she won best actress in a play, The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe. This is almost okay. you got. Say those again. Yeah. She won an Emmy for the Paul Simon special, a Grammy for uh, Best Comedy Album, This Is a Recording, and a Tony for uh, The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe. Oh. Uh, what's, I, I don't I can't know. I have it. no idea. Oh, okay. Uh, so Colin and Karen say Lily Tomlin. It's Lily Tomlin. Yeah. Yeah. She won a bunch of Emmys for her own comedy specials, but I was like, that's pretty. Yeah. Uh, she won for the away. Lily Tomlin show. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. I don't who that is. So looking at this list, if I had to put my money on someone to complete oh. it first, yeah. I think I would probably put my, man, that's a tough one. I'd put it on Cher. I was going to say Cher or maybe Al Pacino. Since we're already talking about this, who are some EGOT winners? I believe uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Mel Brooks. Whoop, yeah. yeah. Whoopi Audrey Hepburn. Robert Lopez. Bobby Lopez. Yep. Audrey Hepburn. Ah. Um, I think Streisand is one as well. Okay. Yep. Yep. She's definitely his, got the way. Academy Award and some, the Grammy. Some of the people on the list of for EGOTs, though, are on there because they were awarded like, oh, you're so cool awards, you know, like Lifetime Achievement or oh, like not a, for like a competition. Yeah. Mm. So we need the regot with the Razzie in there. Halle Berry, get on it. I know. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ooh, the regot. Oh, oh man, on our way. you know what? With this list, we can do some regots. <laughs> or the toger. The toger. The toger. The toger. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. I'm at a grade school in Chicago. We're going to find out if these teachers listen to Good Job Brain. Emperor Qin Shi Huang ruled China until his death in 210 B.C. How did he die? I'm going to go with uh, B. Oh, it's definitely C. He was crushed. Mercury poisoning, D. Ding, 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 ding. No way. Way. Betty White or penicillin? (laughs) Which came first? (laughs) No, penicillin. That's crazy. So you would learn all of these things if you listen to Good Job Brain. I, I should. I will. And we're back. And this week, we're talking about prizes. 
Back in the Stone Age of Good Job Brain, in February 2013, Whoa. we had an episode about the circus, which I think everybody we recorded using maybe stone, remembers. Stone microphones. Uh, yes, 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 yes. With the little, it was great because we had the little, you know, the dinosaur running on the treadmill to power the yeah, mixer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like, it's a living. It's a living. <laughs> uh, Karen, you talked about during the circus episode, carnival scams. Yeah. Like carnival games and how they are rigged. Uh, to be very um, unwinnable, such as the just all you have to do is throw this basketball into this hoop, but you can't see from where you're standing <laughs> that the hoop is actually oval, and the basketball, mm. it will not go in the hoop. This was February 2013. We talked about this, and we, man, we, we tried to warn you, planet Earth, but you, you just didn't listen, and our message did not reach as far and wide as we hoped, because... Not two months after that episode aired, actually about two months after that episode aired, tragedy in the form of a very large and slightly racist stuffed banana. Oh. A a man, a man from Epsom, New Hampshire. This was interesting to me. I have have relations in Epsom, New Hampshire. There, it's Hmm. it's less than 5,000 people. And I'm like, oh yeah, I know people there. Man from Epsom, New Hampshire, no relation to me, went to one of those carnivals, one of those traveling carnivals, played a carnival game called Tubs of Fun. (laughs) Tubs of Fun. It sounds fun. Like a lot of carnival games. (laughs) Yeah. It is deceptively simple. You get two balls, like softballs, like a, like, like not baseballs, but softballs, about that size. Uh, and there's an off-the-shelf plastic tub. It's the sort of thing you buy to put, you know, one of those like blue an ice tub plastic, or an ice tub. Yeah. Okay. And it's and it's riveted onto a platform that's sort of like 45 degrees, so it's basically pointed at you. What you have to do is you have to throw the ball in the tub and have it stay in there and not bounce out of the tub back at you. And this guy, Henry Gribham, he was not able to do it in the first try, and then he then he tried a few more times and couldn't do it. And the way that he, the way he told the story afterwards was that he got so mad that he couldn't do it and that he had spent so much money trying to just throw the ball into the tub and he keeps bouncing out. He starts betting the operator like, I want to go double or nothing that I can do it this time. And he ends up very, very, I mean, again, we've, we've talked about, I think, on a different episode, like, loss aversion like when you yeah. when you go down in terms of money when you've blown a hundred bucks you want to get the money back, back. Yeah. so apparently the operator was like yeah you know i'll i'll bet you double or nothing you you know can do it and he loses more money and loses three hundred dollars at the carnival oh my god in a very short amount of time playing tubs of fun and he goes and, <laughs> and he and he goes home okay where he retrieves twenty three hundred dollars from his house <gasps> no. all his money and takes it to the carnival and then blows $2,300 no. on tubs of fun. And he walked away. He won a prize. He won a Rastafarian banana, a gigantic <laughs> stuffed banana. What did he win it for? He a bit of consolation prize. Yeah. The guy gave him I think the banana. Did, I think he was banana. trying to win an Xbox 360 with a Kinect camera. This is in the year oh, 2013 when okay. that was like worth something. This ends up on the local news yeah. uh, that this had happened. And he was basically complaining, you know, there's no way that this game isn't rigged. This game is rigged. There's no way it's not rigged. Because whenever I threw a practice shot, the ball stayed in the tub. And then whenever it was real money on the line, the ball bounced out. Huh. So he believed that the operator there was a is ri- pressing a button. Exactly. Or something. That something is going on. So is he right? In a manner of speaking, you might actually say that he's wrong because there is no secret mechanism. Uh, it's all exactly as it appears to you. He's just not noticing something. So you go up to the game and the operator says, all you got to do is toss the ball in the tub. The operator is standing behind the counter, right? And he's standing sort of to Angle. the side of the tub and he, and he just sort of gently puts the ball in the tub. He's like, all you got to do is put a ball in the tub. And then he goes, here you go. Take a practice shot on the house, and he hands you the second ball. Then you throw the ball in, and it stays in. Uh, and he's like, that's how easy it is, folks. You throw it in, it stays in. You want to do it? You're a natural. You got different? this. Win a prize. No. The ball's not different. I think it just dampens, you know, sometimes, it dampens the vibrations. Sometimes they switch out balls and things like that. And and yeah, then he takes the balls out, and he hands them to you, and he goes, here you go. And you throw right. the one ball in, it bounces right out. You throw the second ball in, it bounces right out. But you know you just threw one in, and it stayed in there. So you know yeah. you can do it. You're so close, so why don't you keep doing it? So, Colin, yeah, absolutely. When there's a ball in there, there's the other one will it'll, it'll stay. It won't it vibrate as much. So, 
you know, he puts a ball in there gently, and then he gives you the second ball, and he's here to take a practice shot. You throw it in, it stays in, because the ball that's already in there, it deadens the whole system. It makes it less bouncy, because it absorbs a lot of the vibrations that are going on. So you throw the second ball in there, it stays in. It is a con game. Don't do tubs of fun. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do any of them. Don't do it. Well, you just be like, there. You know what they say is play <laughs> carnival no. games where it's and you like, well. versus other people. So there's a, always somebody will will win. But the tubs of fun oh, like thing it, that things. is a con game. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, right. Now, there is a sort of a happy ending. Uh, the, the film of the guy walking around with a giant Rastafarian banana went viral. And collegehumor.com offered to purchase the banana from him. Oh. By the way. When this was happening, I saw a lot of news stories referring to it as a life-sized banana. <laughs> no, it's not a life-sized like banana. It's a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. A man, a it's a man-sized <laughs> banana. But it's not a, li- a life-sized banana would be a regular Just small a banana. a tiny little banana. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. No. Yeah, Say, not like tiny this. little dreadlocks. Yeah. Uh, the collegehumor.com <laughs> offered to purchase the banana from him for $2,600 oh. plus an Xbox with a Kinect. Good, oh. so, good on them. Good on them. A happy ending in yeah. a, after a fashion, racist banana gets a forever home, and everybody learns a good lesson. Yeah. Um, Karen, you and I were talking before the show about other games that were out there that we didn't cover, and there is one, like, literally, if you want to play Tubs of Fun, I guess go ahead at this point, but really, really, really never play this game. Never play the game called uh, Swinger or any sort of variations of it. This is where you have a bottle, like a milk bottle or a bowling pin, probably a bowling pin. It's mm-hmm. where you have a bowling pin. And you have a bowling ball that's on a rope mm-hmm. that's attached to a point on the ceiling. And the object of this game, and of course the operator will come out and will show you that he can do it very easily, is to is to swing the ball past the bowling pin and have it come back and knock the bowling pin down oh. on the return. Oh, right? Okay. Okay. And he will show you that he can absolutely do it. And then when he sets up the pin for you, he will put the pin directly underneath right in line with the point at which the ball is 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 roped onto the ceiling which makes it not only difficult mathematically impossible for you to because if you swing the ball on one side (laughs) it will come back on the other side of the pin not slightly, oh. it will come back the exact same distance on the other side because it will, it will describe a perfect parabola the around geometry. the pin. It's not yeah, because yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. never, ever, ever, that is a con game. It's really interesting, like the, like the, as you say, like the difference between the, the, the fair, not fair ones and the yeah. unfair, not fair ones. Right. Like the basketball <laughs> hoop thing with the oval basketball. You can't do hoop. It. Like you could do it. It's just, it tricks you into thinking that it's easier than it is. All right. I have a quiz for you. And of course, when we talk about prizes, my first thing that comes to mind is, uh, I always think like, like blue ribbon uh-huh. winners, giant vegetables and fruits, like oh. at county fairs. Yeah. And I've been, to, I've been to a couple of, uh, a county fairs now and uh here. ugliest dog oh uh, yeah that's near us that's in marin oh, county oh right right yeah. right yeah, yeah, yeah ugliest dog here i have a quiz and it's a write down quiz <laughs> and i've picked a world record br- world record breaking uh large vegetables <laughs> oh and fruit okay uh. and i will give you uh most of these are you have to guess the weight uh the recorded <laughs> weight uh closest to gets the point and I'll tell you in both imperial and metric and version. Other. Yeah. And yeah. other. Here we go. Let's just go with uh, the heaviest cabbage. Mm. How much do you think <laughs> the heaviest cabbage weigh? This is uh, in Alaska at a county fair there. Average cabbage is about like a head of cabbage is about two pounds. This is a world record. World record cabbage. Heaviest cabbage. It's so big. (laughs) All right. Not Price is Right. Okay. Closest to. Okay. All right. Answers up for your guess for biggest cabbage. Dana says 600 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) Chris says 55 pounds. And Colin says 17 pounds. I feel good about this. Chris is the winner. The largest cabbage weighs 138 pounds, and that's 62 kilograms. Wow. 
That's a person yeah. made out of leaves. Mm. I'm thinking about the pump, the giant pumpkin yeah. scale. Uh, yeah. I think there, the giant pumpkin, I think, is, is like 2,000 dense. pounds or something. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, cabbage is still a bunch of leaves. That's a right? life-sized cabbage. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> life-sized yeah. cabbage. Yeah, speaking of life-sized produce. Yep. Let me tell you, Karen. <laughs> That's a lot of coleslaw. <laughs> that is. I actually did some follow-up. That cabbage was uh, shredded down for, for feeding farm animals and compost. Oh, okay. Because just okay. At, at one point, even the farmer says, when it grows so big, the taste is diluted. Ah, uh, okay. So, it tastes like nothing. Yeah. All right. World's heaviest broccoli. Also, another Alaska Alaskan County Fair winner. Well, I don't have an average broccoli weight. I tried looking for it. Heaviest broccoli. Broccoli. Broccoli is pretty light because it's a lot of um, Mm. florets and air, you know, so the really heavy part is the stalk. I feel like it's denser than cabbage. Yeah. Hmm. Only the stalk part, though, not the 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 flower buds. Yeah. All right. Heaviest broccoli. Answers up. Dana says 80. 80 pounds. Colin says 34 pounds. Chris says 178 pounds. The answer is 35 pounds. Oh. Colin gets oh, the point. One, mm. one Very off. close. Wow. 35 pounds, that is 15.8 kilograms. Uh, and so both of these, uh, cabbage and broccoli, is grown in Alaska. And hmm. Alaska actually has a kind of, not magic, but... <laughs> but um, Oh, it's not there, magic. There is a reason why, because they have longer daylight during mm. the summer. So there's 20 oh, hours of sunlight. Well, I mean, <laughs> that helps, but also, I mean, these are only uh, specific types of vegetables that really thrive. It's not like they're just growing random seeds. Like, these seeds are, are yep. researched and... and Pedigree. Lines and lines. They're, they're trying. Pedigrees. They're trying. Yeah, they're yeah. trying. <laughs> That's a lot of broccoli cheese soup. <laughs> are you going to end all of these? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, you're gonna make it's that Alright. Uh <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> World's largest pumpkin. Oh. World's largest pumpkin. Your average pumpkin is eighteen pounds or about eight kilograms. Listeners, I hope you guys are also writing in your answers. <laughs> I, I wanna, you know while driving. Well I yeah. I prepared both metric too. Oh yeah, for the right, non- right, right. Yep. For the non-US world's largest pumpkin. Mm-hmm. This one's this one's big. Okay. Dana all right. says twenty-two hundred pounds. Yeah, it's probably. Yeah. Uh, Colin says nine hundred ninety-nine pounds, and Chris says three hundred and one mm-hmm, pounds. Mm-hmm. The answer is. 1,689 pounds. Yeah. That's 766 kilograms. I, I know they had to use like a forklift. Like I've seen them like bring yeah. in this thing with equipment. How yeah. much is a ton? 2,000. So it's all, like almost, almost yeah, right. a ton of pumpkin. That's a big pumpkin pie. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. Let's, let's move away from weight and let's guess the longest carrot. The longest carrot, you guys. Oh, man. All right. Longest carrot. Your usual carrot is uh, about 12 inches, 25 centimeters. Not baby carrots, obviously. Normal carrots. Longest carrot. And this and this is interesting because I had to bring up how they grew it. Mm. That's a little bit of a that Sounds hint, weird, yeah. Now I'm imagining like weird. this pipe that runs through the... World's longest carrot. Answers up. Here we go. Dana says four feet and two inches. Colin, what, 60, 60 inches. inches. So, so five feet. Inch. No, no okay. units on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm covering my bases. 60 feet, yeah. 60 uh, Chris says seven feet, two inches. The answer is 19 feet and oh. two inches. Oh. So that's you, I think, Chris. I think that's it's Chris. me. Yeah, I yeah. think it's me. Yeah. 19 wow. feet, two inches. 5.8 meters. That's a long carrot. And so how they grow it is it grows on an angle. It grows on a 45 degree like platform, you know, not underground. Oh, it's yeah. Out? It, it's out like in the greenhouse. I also looked up heaviest carrot and I didn't include this because the world's heaviest carrot or the world series, like the, 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 all the other contenders of heaviest carrot it's not one giant carrot. It looks like it's a bunch of carrots growing into a Franken carrot. Ooh. Yeah. You know, so when you like pull in dirt, it's not one clean, nice carrot. It's all gnarly and it just looks like a bunch of carrots grew, fused into Look each these other. these roots. <laughs> yeah. Kind of poking out. So I was yeah. like, mm. That's a tall carrot. 
All right, let's do one more. The tallest sweet corn or maize, your usual edible corn okay. plant. Tallest. Okay. Not Are the cob. Yeah, the, the stalk. Whole the whole, Start, starting the, from the dirt up to the sky. From the stem, yeah. Yep, to the, the very, very top. And your mm. average corn plant is about... Five feet to twelve feet. That's about one and a half meters okay. to three and a half 12 meters. Twelve feet is average. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. five elef- to twelve. An elephant's eye is about <laughs> nine feet. Curvature of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> Carry the seven. <laughs> All right. All right. Answer okay. is up. Dana has twenty-four. Twenty-four feet. feet. Colin says thirteen feet. Chris says twenty-one feet. <gasps> the answer is. 35 feet. Yes. <sighs> Which is about almost 11 meters long. That's without falling, too. I don't Cow. know how they not fall. So you put 13 feet, and she said the cap for average was 12 feet. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I zoned <laughs> out there. I was too busy okay. trying to picture, like, A corn. Taller. I was thinking, like, 10 feet. I'm just, yeah. That is one big taco. All this stuff isn't a fluke, like all of these large produce things. No, this is intentionally. This is intentionally to be comically large. Well, good job, you guys. Cool. We're great. Trip, trip to the county fair. We're just yeah, we're just gonna call it a tie. Dana and Chris, and we got one last chance to win a prize. Well, no prizes here uh, being given out on the show, Uh, but I do Mm -hmm. have a tale for you guys that involves gold, Nazis, cross border intrigue. And no fewer than five Nobel Prize winners. Whoa! He's pitching a movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, was this made into a Here's movie the, before? Uh, yeah, no, but maybe this tale can be made into a movie. Hmm. Give Colin a ring. Yeah, Hollywood. yeah. I've got the details. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so does the internet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, this this story all started with a man named uh, Karl von Ossietzky. And Karl von Ossietzky was a German journalist and political writer. He, he was a pacifist. Uh, he was opposed to the Nazi party. And in 1935, he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize, primarily for his work exposing uh, illegal government activities in the run-up to World War II. Osiecki had been convicted of espionage and treason in 1931. So you can imagine that this was rather embarrassing to the German government <laughs> yeah. uh, to have uh, their political prisoner being awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. Um, now, they, they couldn't, of course, prevent the committee from awarding him the prize, but they could sure as hell prevent him from leaving the country to go pick it up, to claim any of his oh. money, anything like that. They're like, no, no way. You cannot go claim this prize and embarrass us even further. Um, so long story short, this was, this was scandalous both in and outside Germany. Uh, and in fact, shortly afterward, the German government outright banned German citizens from accepting any future Nobel Prizes. Oh, wow. Yeah, they, they were not, not messing around. Now, so if you were a prominent scientist in Germany in the <laughs> mid to late yeah. 1930s. Your chances. Right. And, you know, especially if you were Jewish, uh, you could expect to come under a, an incredible amount of scrutiny from the government, as oh. it was. Uh, I mean, keep in mind that, you know, a lot of the country's top scientists were pretty outspoken in their, I mean, they had a platform and they were pretty yeah. outspoken in their opposition to the Nazi party and the direction the country was going, you know, and indeed, I mean, a lot of the top minds, you know, Albert Einstein among them, basically just said, uh, see ya, I'm gonna yeah. maybe come back to Germany someday, but now is not the time, and they left the country altogether. So if you were a prominent physicist or chemist who had decided to stay in Germany for whatever reason, uh, you know, it was a little bit of an awkward position, especially if you had already won a Nobel Prize in the past, you know? <laughs> I mean, they can't revoke it from you. You've got it, you know, and it's sitting in your possession before the government came to power. But the medal itself was certainly something that the government could come and basically take from you at any time if they wanted to. You yeah, know, with, they can't take uh, away your title, but right. they can take away the swag. That's right. Mm-hmm. They absolutely could. And so, in fact, uh, some high-profile scientists who had won Nobel Prizes, you know, in the 20s, 30s, in the run-up to this rise of <laughs> the new government, decided, all right, you know, let's, let's get them out of the country. Let's put them somewhere safe. And so a couple of scientists gave them, left them in the care of the Niels Bohr Institute in Copenhagen. Okay. okay. Very famous institute named after a very famous scientist, Niels mm-hmm. Bohr, uh, who himself was a Nobel Prize winner. Then, I mean, as it is now, it's one of the world's most prestigious, most respected research institutions uh, dedicated primarily to physics. And uh, over the years, a lot of scientists had worked there, researched there. Seemed like a nice, safe, trusting place to keep your valuable gold medals out of the hands of the Nazis. 
And that was all well and good until 1940, when, if you know your history, you know that is when the German army invaded Denmark. So understandably, there were a lot of people who were getting very nervous. And, you know, one thing to know, this is very important, is that at the time, it was a pretty serious crime to transport gold out of Germany. Uh, like, are Nobel Prizes made of gold? They are made of gold. Oh. Yes, yes. So not not just the political act of the Nobel Prize, but it just was... any amount of gold, if you're transferring out of the country, that was a very big deal, especially mm. if it was something so charged. You know, Each Nobel medal has the winner's name on it. So it's yeah. not, oh, that's not mine. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, no, that's, that's <laughs> some other Niels Bohr. That's not me. So not only the people who had smuggled them out, but the people holding them, could be in trouble too now that the Germans had occupied Denmark. So, you may not have heard of George de Hevesi, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, because clearly I had not heard of him before I first heard this story. Is he Danish? Uh, He was Hungarian by birth. He was living in Copenhagen, working at the Niels Bohr Institute at this time. Uh, And he proved to be a Nobel Prize-saving hero. At that time, the Institute was holding on to Nobel Prizes belonging to, to the medals, belonging to uh, Max von Lau and James Frank, uh, who had both won prizes earlier in the teens and the 20s, and sent them to the Niels Bohr Institute for safekeeping. So George de Hevesi uh, decided, I'm going to keep these medals safe. So Karen, yeah, let, let's talk about the medals here for a minute. They, you know, I mean, when you win the Nobel Prize, you get a nice fancy piece of paper, you get a nice fat check, you get a trip to Stockholm or Oslo, depending on which prize you get, and you get the medal. And up until the 1980s, these these medals were pretty weighty. They were nearly pure gold. They were 23 karat gold uh, up through the mm. 80s. They were about seven ounces. These are nice, hefty, nice chunk of gold. Yeah. These days, they're they're 18 karat gold plated in 24 karat gold. Well, also, but, they keep- they keep better. Too, yeah, like, you know, it keeps better. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's a little more durable. You're yeah, right. When yeah, when you have like a lot of gold that's malleable, it's true. And then it's like it's with true. The weather. It's true. No, you're right. But in the 30s and 40s, certainly they were still virtually solid gold. And so, why is gold valuable? I mean, yeah, it's pretty and it's really malleable, and you can do a lot of stuff with it. But one of the reasons that gold's been so valuable is because it doesn't tarnish, it doesn't rust. It seems mm. like it's almost magical. It doesn't react in the presence of most chemicals. Most oh, chemicals. Yeah, it's one of the reasons gold's been extremely valuable. It's, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. going way back. You can see why alchemists wanted to turn things into this That's true. substance. Okay. <laughs> Have you guys ever heard of aqua regia? No. Aqua regia. Uh, Maybe I've somewhere. Word, I, yeah, just, yeah. Sounds like a very kind of old timey alchemist word. And in fact, it is. Uh, aqua regia means royal water, or king's yeah. water. And aqua regia, scientifically, it's a mixture of nitric acid and hydrochloric acid. Now, each of these are pretty powerful acids on their own. Mm-hmm. But when you mix them together, powers the powers combine to do something very special and seemingly magical. Aqua regia can dissolve gold. So let's go back to 1940 in Denmark. We're at the Bohr Institute. That old cliche. Yeah. Uh, so uh, George de Hevesi and Niels Bohr himself were discussing what are we going to do with these medals in their care? You know, we don't want the Nazis to find them. We don't want anyone to get in trouble if they do find them. So de Hevesi is writing, I suggested that we should bury the medal, but hmm. Bohr did not like this idea as the medal might be unearthed. I decided to dissolve it. <laughs> so yes. Chemist. This, this nutty guy <laughs> decided to... Chemist by training, putting his science powers yeah. to work. He got some aqua regia. He dis- literally put the two gold Nobel medals into the aqua regia, dissolved them into solution. As he's writing, he's like, while the invading forces marched in the streets of <gasps> Copenhagen, I was busy dissolving Laos and also James Frank's medals. So it took some time. It took a little bit of work, but he got them completely dissolved into solution. So he takes the aqua regia gold medal solution, puts it in a very nondescript jar, Puts it up on a shelf in his lab, along with all kinds of other chemicals and nondescript jars. That's right. Holy cow. And left it there. The Germans, sure enough, did come to the Niels Bohr Institute, did come searching the Niels Bohr Institute for anything that they thought was valuable or could be politically uh, helpful. Oh, my goodness. And had no idea that this jar containing two melted down gold medals is waiting there just under their noses. After the war was over, all right? The Germans, Nazis Germans lost. defeated, Nazis uh, lost. Yes, yay. yes, right. He's um, got to give it back to the winners. De Hevesy yeah. goes back to his lab. Oh, once things are open, goes crazy. back into his room on the shelf. The jar still is still there. there, undisturbed, hasn't been touched since he put it there. Gets it back down. 
uses his vast chemistry knowledge, and he precipitates the gold back <laughs> out of solution. Uh-huh. So he now has a not in ball gold. <laughs> a yeah. Ball, yeah, it's not you know it's it's actually kind of like a powdery like a yeah it's okay. like precipitate if you you know remember your high school uh, chemistry no. maybe and he delivers the precipitated gold back to the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences and sure enough the Nobel Foundation recycled it. Reminted, reminted new Nobel medals Aww. for Maxwell Lau and James Frank. Oh my! That is incredible. How awesome is that? Yeah. That's Man. science power. I love it. I love it. Possibly because of the good karma. Possibly because he was a really smart dude. Uh, George Tavesi also went on to win his very own Nobel Prize. For doing this? For cannot for this. <laughs> I, I would <laughs> give him one for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, just a few years later. I, and I'm sure he kept it in a safe place wherever, <laughs> whatever he... Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Isn't that That's incredible? I thought, man, this story ridiculous. could have gone so many ways. I thought it was... He'd just be like, let's dissolve it. Sorry, winners. Right. We gotta save our hides, you know? Or, or maybe he goes back to one and be like, well, here's your jar of dissolved yeah. <laughs> This is the best I could do for yeah. you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. Science. And that is our episode. Thank you guys for joining me. And thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learn a lot of stuff about EGOTs, Razzies, pizza, and dissolving gold not melting gold dissolving gold <laughs> you can find our show on itunes on stitcher on soundcloud spotify and on our website goodjobbrain.com and we'll see you guys next week bye, bye. traffic jams tailgating pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.